Choir, thank you. Uh, I've, we can go home now, probably, uh, you know, because uh, you, just, you just sang what I'm going to preach on. Uh, but uh, I'll share a couple of thoughts, then, then we'll go home. Um, let's pray. God, our purpose is to love you. Our purpose is to be loved by you. And that's why boundaries are so important. God, be with me and be with all of us as we think on these things about boundaries at work. Help us, O oh God, all to the purpose, Lord, of loving you more fully and living in more love and with less fear. Amen. So, just for a moment, I want you to think about your very first job. Okay, what was, what was that job? What, what was the first thing that you did that you got paid for? And I want to maybe give you one minute. Try to, if, if you're sitting with your spouse, try to tell somebody else. But share with somebody sitting next to you right now. I'll give you one minute to share your first job. Do that now. Give you about 20 more seconds. 20 more seconds. All right. I'm about to share it. I'm about to share it. Okay. So, um, what was that like? Did anybody hear something really interesting uh, <laughs> about the very first job that they had or somebody tell them? Um, okay, Ben. Where's Ben? Oh, Ben, there you are. What was your first job, Ben? Okay, his first job was organist. So, hey, you, you, found your, you found your niche, my man. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, Brookhaven was a little town, county seat town. And my first job was at Brookhaven Country Club. And, and the head golf pro gave me a weed eater. And he said, Bruce, we got member gas coming up. I want you to take this weed eater. And I want you to weed eat around every tree in every bunker on this property. It's like, okay. Now that day I wore shorts. You know, shouldn't wear shorts when you have a power weed eater. And I was there. I got there early. And I was, I was just, you know, first hour where I was going. I was, I was surveying the whole property. I was like, golly, this is going to take... And so I kept going and kept going. Finally, I was exhausted at the end of the day. I wanted to make a good impression. And I said, Richard, that was the head pro, uh, Richard, I'm, I'm done. You know, I've, I'm done the trees. He said, you did every tree today? And I said, yeah, yes, sir. He said, well, it took, it took Dave a week to do that last week. He said, I didn't expect you to do it in one day. But I was worn out. Just stuff, red ants all over my legs. I was p pathetic. But I did, I learned how to drive a truck, those where the gears were under, it was like a 1940 truck. And I remember getting stuck on the truck and couldn't get the gear right. And it was on the putting green right beside the swimming pool. 
where they were all, you know, all the pretty people were laying out. And here I was, and, you know, it was kind of humiliating. But all I got to say was, that was a great job for me. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was, it was hard working. Uh, um, it was, uh, I worked with some very interesting people. Let me just say that. And, uh, but I'll never forget, you know, my first job. Uh, jobs, uh, jobs are are important. Um, you know, even in uh, in Genesis, it even talks about the fact that we were created to work with God to till the soil. Originally, in original righteousness, if you want to say that, before original sin, you know, work was good and meaningful. And it's, it's always been that to me in some form. There's no such thing as a perfect job, right? And I'm sure you've had some jobs that you've hated over your life. But man, there's nothing like being fit with something that you love, love to do. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about boundaries and work. Um, you'll remember though, let me just say this. Week one, we were talking about setting those spiritual boundaries in our life, um, knowing where I stop and you begin, and that physical property is easy to see. It's easy to see the boundaries, but spiritual boundaries are much harder and much trickier, but they're just as important. We read Galatians 6 when uh, Paul says that we should carry each other's burdens, but later on he said everyone must carry their own load. And so everybody's got some, something to carry, but having the wisdom to recognize when somebody is going through a burden sometime, when they need some help from others, and when they really just need to pick up their backpack and put on their boots, right? The next week, we talked about boundaries, gifts that we get from boundaries, words like yes, and words like no. And we learned that second week that like being good at saying no helps us to pour more of our lives in our divine yeses in life. And so if you, if you get better at that, and some of us like me can stand a lot of room for improvement, um, you know, is to, is to have the courage to say no. So you can say yes to the most important things. Last week, we talked about boundaries and families, and today, and today at, at work. Let me share with you, uh, if you have your Bibles, it's Mark 2, and it's... Um, it's Mark chapter 2, verse 23. It says, One Sabbath, he, that was Jesus, was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never heard what David said or did when he and his company were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God. When Abiathar was the high priest and ate bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but priests to eat, he gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was a topic in the day. And you may recall that the Sabbath made the top ten, right? It's the fourth commandment in both versions of the Ten Commandments. The one in Exodus 20. 
Daphne and also the one in, uh, early in Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath, it says. Observe the Sabbath. And then it goes on in Exodus to say, For God created the world in six days. And on the seventh day, what happened? God rested. So if God can rest and enjoy creation, it's what you were meant to do. Just one day, once a week. It's interesting in Deuteronomy, it says, observe the Sabbath. But it reminds Israel that once you were slaves in Egypt. In other words, once you never got a day off. So quit acting like you're still in Egypt and exercise the freedom and the gift that I want to give you, which is Sabbath. Our jobs are important. A lot of times, if somebody asks you, tell me about yourself, what's the first thing you usually say? Oh, I'm a pastor. Or I'm an accountant. Or I'm a teacher. Or I'm a lawyer. And that's good. But, but... There's also other things about you that are powerful and interesting, right? Beyond your work. Work is part of who we are, of course. Jesus talks about work all the time in all of his parables. You ever notice that? Farmers throwing seed, accountants settling debts, uh, shepherds working with the sheep. And, um, you know, Paul said, hey, look, this is how the... Christian life should look like. It's what Alex read. He said, look, when you're working, you're not really working for your boss or your supervisor. You're working for God. Think about this. You spend, we all get 168 hours a week, and nobody in the history of the world's ever gotten, been able to add one single minute to, to what we do. Now, 50 of those hours, you're probably sleeping, which means about almost half the time you're awake you're probably working. So if, if, it's, if it's that important, and it is, and you're spending that many hours working, how sad is it when we don't see our purpose in our work? Or we don't see that, that God may have put you right there where you're working so that you might can bear witness to the love of God by what you do, by your integrity, by what you say. And there's so many Times we get caught in maybe toxic work environments that you just need one person that refuses to spread rumors or one person to do it right or one person to have the courage to have integrity. And it can make a humongous, humongous impact. So Paul says, when you're working, work as if you're working for Jesus. Work as, as if God is your boss. But man, sometimes... We can get a little overboard in our work, can we? Forbes, Forbes says this. The number one stress for adults is, uh, is job-related. And this was an article just written a, a couple months ago. And it, Forbes said in that article, it's escalating over the course of the past two decades. So our work has gotten more toxic and more stressful over the years. We feel that when our work slips and becomes unfulfilling or, to or toxic, we feel that, don't we? And what do we do? We take it home, right? Or it affects other parts of our lives and we can get burnt out. Spills over in all parts. So Business News Daily says this. 
Um, our 40-hour work week has become nearly 50 hours in the last 20 years. It's grown to 50 hours. Work hours have been increasing dramatically. And get this, we're taking less vacation days. So the average employee in the United States left 4.6 days on the table and didn't take it this past year. 4.6 days. We're working more. We're living less. Now, this is not a sermon about taking vacation. Although, maybe take a vacation. Maybe not leave the 4.6 days for sure. The question today when it involves with our work is this. How can we set healthy boundaries at work so that we can live well? So that like the choir sang, so that we can love well. How can we do that? Because unless you're joining a monastery or you're a trust fund baby, you have got to go to work, right? We've got to work. So let's take a step back for a moment. And the word that I share with our kids, I want you to remember, and that is Sabbath. 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 To stop. To cease. Not just a day off, but a day with. And one of my scholars in my Sunday school class, I asked him, I said, what is the definition of a Sabbath? And one uh, in our class... Um, I won't say Etta's name, but one person in our class, she said this. She said, the Sabbath is when you take the time to take pleasure in life that doesn't involve immorality or fattening food. I like that. It was supposed to be funny. I don't get, you're not, you hear that? It, it, it's not, it can't be immoral or fattening, and you're all right, right? So that's what she said. I, I thought it was funny. I'm sorry. I, maybe I won't share that next time. Sorry, Etta. It was funny to me, Etta. Um, now, good religious people knew, they, they had a very strict definition of Sabbath, right? I mean, maybe 50 years ago, you probably wouldn't get caught cutting your yard on Sunday. But I bet now, you know, you got people driving through on their zero turns or whatever, you know. Um, stores would close around the Sabbath, like there were blue light laws. And I'm not so sure that it's really good to go back to blue light laws, but there was just a little bit more there maybe about rest or the importance of rest. You couldn't harvest anything on the Sabbath. So in Jesus' time, there were things that you couldn't do, but, but it wouldn't surprise you to know that they disagreed over what... I mean, Pharisees disagreed with other Pharisees about what you could and could not do. Some people were more legalistic. Some people were less so. Jesus thought highly and, and practiced the Sabbath... He just didn't do it like those Pharisees wanted him uh, to do it. And so they asked him, why are, you, why are you letting your followers break the law like this? And Jesus said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. In other words, the Sabbath is a gift. It's not some strict thing that you do. It's, it's a gift to take time away. And what is it? Well, in addition to um, Etta's uh, definition, maybe it's this too. It's like, whatever you define as work, once a week, don't do it. Don't do it. If you stare at a computer screen and answer emails, and you're always staring at that thing called the iPhone, once a week, don't do it. Let it go. And do what makes your heart sing. For me, I love walking around the block. I love... I love taking the dog out. I love 
telling my wife jokes that makes her laugh. I love playing cards with my family or Scrabble or whatever. That is my idea of the Sabbath. Being outside is what I love to do. But that may not be your idea of the Sabbath. But what makes your heart sing? And Jesus says, do that. Do that once a week. You see, on the seventh day, God created rest. And it's the crescendo of all of creation to be able to rest. The peak of creation is not more work. It's rest. It's the most commanded thing in the Bible. Observe the Sabbath. The fourth commandment is all about the Sabbath. And it's like, it's like, it's right there number four. You know, it's funny, is it like... Any of the other commandments we break, we probably go to jail, you know. But, but that Sabbath you can almost brag about. Sometimes I'll ask a friend, how's it going? I hadn't had a day off in nine weeks. It's like, man, you need to just take a rest. You need to take a rest. The Sabbath is a gift. It's not a burden. Sabbath is a radical re- re- reorientation of life. Because if you do that and take your rest seriously, if you, if you take being present with your family seriously, then you're going to look a little different in this world, at work, and in other places. You are not your work. You're more than that. You're a child of God. You were created to live. They always say like the Europeans work to live and Americans live to work. Sometimes I think I fall in that trap. And maybe, maybe you do too. But if you're God's child, you're more than what you did this week. If you had a terrible week at work, you're more than that. You're more than that. God sees more than that than what you do. On the Sabbath, we rest in the arms of one who works. Or, you know, who loves us. And God is working while we're resting. You know, for, the, for our Jewish family, the Sabbath day begins, or the day begins at night. Every day begins at night. And what they tell me is the reason we start our new day at sundown, at sundown, is that while we rest, God does the work. So that we don't ever mistake ourselves or thinking that it's all up to us. Let me just say one thing about that phone you got in your pocket. That's the one thing that I think ensnares me back into that work mentality. Y'all remember, some of you grew up in homes where uh, in the hallway there was this little wooden thing that you had a phone on, had a little cord, you picked it up, you talked there. Now, I'm a child, I'm a teenager in the 80s. We had had a cord on that phone that could reach for like 90 feet, right? So you could stretch that sucker out and talk to your girlfriend, you know, whatever. And so it's like, you know, and then finally, voila, no more cords. You probably don't even pay AT&T a phone bill. You probably pay them a big uh, cell phone bill. But you don't, landline, most of us don't have landlines anymore. But you know what? There's no cord connected to this iPhone in my pocket. But sometimes it feels like the shortest cord in the world. Now, why is that? If somebody texts me, I know probably rationally that they don't always expect me to respond right then. But what do I do? I stop what I'm doing, and I respond. Sometimes I, you know, I just I can't get a, a, away from that phone, and that phone is my office. Like, have you ever driven to your office and forgot about your phone and have to go all the way back to get your phone? 
and come back. Because some of us can't imagine living one or two hours without the phone, me included. Sometimes it's good just to shut it off and to cut it off and to let it go. Maybe that's what you need on your Sabbath. So find out first around your boundaries what do you love to do and what makes your heart sing. That's the first, that's the first assignment that I have for you today. Just pray about that. What really makes my heart sing? And then calendar it. Set a date with it, right? Set a date with it. Plan it out. Cross it out. It was a great preacher. It was in our conference, and um, he was so good at preaching. Everybody wanted to preach like him. And we asked him, like, what, like, like, we noticed sort of what he was doing. In the first two hours of every day, he spent in prayer and in Scripture. And if somebody called for him, the secretary and other people would say, and he would say, I've got an appointment. I've got an appointment. I've got a commitment. And it was with God. I always thought about that. Like what, you know, how could I grow a little more strong, stronger in being zealous for the time that I spend with God? For me, Friday is my Sabbath. Of course, at least half a day on Sunday. I, I mean, you know, those who work to produce what we're doing here now. I mean, it's, it's fun and I love it and I love what I do, but it's, but it's work. So Friday is the day that I, that, I, that I take off. Now, if there's an emergency, obviously... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer the phone, but I do my best to try not to work on Friday. I try not to. Um, and, it, and it matters. It does something for me and to me when I'm able to keep to that commitment. Um, for sure. We don't work to live. We don't live to work. We work to live. And the Sabbath puts our work and our identity all in perspective. You're a child of God. You're not a human doing. You're a human being. Drawing those boundaries frees us to say no and yes, just like we learned a couple of weeks ago. My no's help me to say better yeses. And the rhythm of Sabbath helps us to set boundaries and we can, we can remember and, and to know that we are more than the hours that we work. People often think that in order to be productive and successful, um, you have to be fast, right? You have to be efficient all the time. But there's a military phrase that I've heard somebody tell me one time that, um, that they tell each other. They say, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, which means be efficient, but don't rush. And sometimes the slower you go, the more clearly you think, the less mistakes you make, Etc., etc. When we slow down, when we slow down, we're able to make better decisions. You've heard haste makes waste, right? Or measure twice, cut once. If you rush things, you're more likely to make a mistake. Sabbath slows us down. Sabbath slows us down. One of the, one of the things that uh, they've learned too is that. When we are all sped up and we're having to trying to make a, a big decision, that, uh, that we're way more likely to regret that decision if we make it when we're rushing or in haste. We're may, way more likely to do that. Even if it's the right decision, we're likely to regret it. So God is calling us um, to slow down. Just to slow down. 
Um, about 15 years ago, I walked part of the El Camino de Santiago, which is in northern Spain. It's a long, it, it took 24 days to walk it. And you'd walk 8 or 10 miles, and then you would spend the night in a refugio, uh, or, you know, this shelter, and then you walk again. People from all over the world. It was the journey of St. James. And there's a statue in De Compostela, Spain, in northwestern Spain, that, like, you, you would hug the statue, and you could put your hand somewhere that people have put for, uh, for a thousand years while they've taken this pilgrimage. And um, they, they said early on that the people that don't last, that don't make it to the end when they take this journey, are the young people. Because young people are often the ones who try to rush things. So I remember seeing these little old, these little old ladies were walking it with their cane. And they were, they were going and they started real slow. And all the young people started walking real fast and going. But then later on, while all the younger people were over on the side of the road popping their blisters, there were the older ladies just walking by. Slow by easy. See, they were the pacers in life, right? And they were, they were walking at a pace, right? Now, who dictates the pace of your life? Who dictates the rhythm of your life? Is it God? Or maybe has the world just kind of swept in and swept us up? If, if it has, you can start all over. And maybe repace your life so that you can live in this sort of a holy space, holy rhythm. Like the wisdom of these older women who walked all 250 miles of the El Camino. I finish with this uh, and, then, and then we're done. Dr. Matthew Sleeth wrote a book called 24-6. You get it? 24-6. He said this. Observing Sabbath ensures at its very worst that we are never more than six days away from a holy perspective. We are never more than six days away from a holy perspective. Find your Sabbath. Put a fence around it and protect it. And see how everything else in your life can change after you've set your appointment with God. Let us pray.